Hello and welcome to the UK Flying Podcast. This podcast is run and produced by Cochrane Co. Now, if you're not sure what Cochrane Co do, we run training courses and mentoring for businesses in the flooring industry from £100,000 turnover all the way up to £5 million. We also do retail consultancy and product sourcing and we work with some of the top and leading manufacturers to make sure you get the right price and the right product on time every time. Now sit back, enjoy the show. Don't forget to hit any subscribe buttons, follow buttons on social media and on the platform you're listening to. Enjoy the show, give us feedback and we love that you're taking the time to listen to the show. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Uh, before we kick off with a bit of flooring and things like that, um, who's Mark Tilson? Uh, Mark Tilson. Mark Tilson is a uh, is, is a lad from the north, born and bred in Yorkshire. Did my formative years in in Selby before before moving to York in uh, the, uh, the late eighties. And uh, yeah, I um, dabbled around with a bit of flooring in Selby before I left. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of got stuck into the uh, the flooring industry really. And here we are a few years later. And when was that? When did you when when did you start dabbling? So yeah, so 1989, I um, I got a, a temporary job as a warehouse carpet And one of the guys there that I worked for is a concession in Doncaster. He quite liked me, so he took me under his wing a little bit and uh, told me how to work out square yard right. uh, and, and let me loose on the sales floor a little bit as well. But it was a temporary job, so it came to an end, and uh, that was it. That was the end of my carpet career for uh, probably about three or four years. It wasn't really then until I moved to York and uh, moved to the co-op. Um, I got a job there selling TVs and videos, and uh, I really, really loved that. But the old guy in the carpet department went off ill. Uh, right. And my boss at the time, he, uh, he uh, says, oh, you know how to work out a square yard, don't you? Well, I don't yeah, I can do. Or would you mind covering for a couple of weeks? Uh, and here I am 35 years later. Right. And what are your hobbies or what's your favourite things to do apart from flooring outside the flooring world outside the flooring world mm-hmm. yeah um at the moment uh, she's keeping me busy doing sort of like diy around the house but hills and that I've, I've got a i've got a motorbike so i get out on that occasionally and she's just got me in so that couple of years she's got me into skiing right love it love it um and if there was one thing mark that no one knows about you what what would it be <laughs> no one knows about me yeah Oh, yes. Not a lot of people know my middle name. And what's that? <laughs> <laughs> one of them was Jonathan. Um, the other one begins with A. It's Greek. Uh, I think my dad. My dad apparently was uh, was down the registry office uh, after a few too many sherbets, and he got away and picked out some weird name. I think it won't stop that. So, well, funny enough, you say that um, my middle name is Tom. And it was a well, I'm really confused by that. So mine mine is actually Mark, so I'm Mark Thomas Cockrell. Uh-huh. And there you go. So there's one that you didn't know. Um barefoot flooring. What does that look like now? Who is it? What do you do? Um, what do you specialise in? And and when did you branch out into your own business? Okay, so so yeah, so obviously from uh, from the co op, uh, I went to work for Allied, to work for them for quite some time to two thousand and eight. I uh, went wrecking for 12 months uh, in 2008. Now, that wasn't the uh, best year of my life. Um, ended up going to work for United Carpets uh, for their head office. Um, enjoyed that really good. Uh, and then I actually bought a franchise from them. Okay. Stayed in the franchise, but unfortunately, after a couple of years, we could see that that wasn't really going anywhere. So before I left there, we incorporated Burford Flooring. 
uh, myself and my business partner, who was my actual partner at the time, yeah. uh, we incorporated it and I just waited for the inevitable axe to fall at United, which it did. And then 2013, we found the unit, uh, we've got some stands in and, uh, and opened the doors and we are now in our 10th year. So we started off, you know, we were a uh, headlam uh, sourced company. So everything came from headlam, carpets and vinyls, bit, a little bit of wood, a little bit of laminate. Um, and then obviously uh, as things have grown, uh, we've, we've branched out. So we now just deal directly with all the manufacturers you know, via, uh, via a buying group and um, so, yeah, we tend to be uh, mid to high end, uh, really good customer base. And, um, and yeah, that's so it's been a, it's had been a bit of a journey over the 10 years, to be fair. And what didn't you like about repping? The, the company that I worked for was probably not the best company, um, uh, distributional company out there. Okay. Uh, you, you certainly didn't feel as though you had the backup of uh, of, of the office or, or the bosses at the time to be able to deliver what I was saying that could be done. So you know, people would be placing orders, all the heart would be turning up, and things like it was. Yeah, it was. It was more the company than the job. It was definitely more the company. Yeah, um, uh, it, it, you know, I still get along with the guy who actually pulled the trigger and sacked me. He's a good guy. Um, you know, he, he opened up my Modulao account, um, but yeah, the the you know his, his bosses. Um, I'm not entirely sure. He's shaking the hands of whoever saw me now. Right? <laughs> um, and percentage wise, what are you fit, supplying and fitting the most of? You know, is it carpets, vinyl? What what is your go to product, and what percentage are the other products in the in your current setup? So yeah, so uh, made well, so our biggest percentage uh, is, is carpet still, uh, thankfully, um, closely followed by uh, LVT um, and then uh, you know, laminate wood and vinyl. So uh, LVT has grown massively for us um, uh, over the past two or three years. You know, we've got an entire sort of like you know uh, showroom dedicated to it, um, and yeah, it's been a, a big volume increase. Uh, certainly since about 2018, 2019. Um, the carpet still, you know, thankfully carpet is still our main uh, bread and milk. We do more carpet than we do anything else. And have you got any go-to manufacturers that you've traded with for, you know, 10 years or anything, you know, like what is your go-to and why? We, um, we yeah, so we like obviously myself and Lisa. Lisa's in the shop. I'm generally out and about. Uh, Lisa definitely has a go-to product. So, you know, she loves Brockway. Um, she loves Project Flows. Um, so, yeah, we definitely have our, our go-to. But it does depend on, obviously, what the uh, customer wants, you know, and we sort of like listen to what their their needs are and then Lisa will point them in a particular direction. Um, but, yeah, we, we do, I think we do, I think we all have our favourites, don't we? Yeah. Uh, as to, you know... Uh, the, the kind of products that we want to sell by Excel and you know, those things that we have fitted in our own houses. But it's like what you said about the the kind of repping job. You also buy from people and buy from what you know and trust. So if you're stood in front of someone selling someone a four grand carpet, you want to have complete certainty that it's exactly as you've promised them. So, and if it isn't and you haven't got that certainty, that can come across in the sales process. So it's not just, you know, what we sort of like as well. I think it's what who we trust and, what they've delivered in the past. Um, 
So since being a retailer, what do you feel is your biggest challenge you're facing, you know, previously or now? So um, I think there's sort of like different different challenges for different sectors of the industry controversially. Um, I think when I messaged you the other day, you know, I, I think that the biggest challenge that a bricks and mortar retailer faces at the moment is the customer. And that's me not wanting to sound like the, you know, biting the hand that feeds me. But the um, uh, customer landscape has changed so much over the past few years. And certainly with COVID, COVID was a, a real big anomaly with how people shopped. Um, certainly during the mix, of, uh, right in the middle of uh, COVID, there was a lot of patience and understanding from the customer because obviously, you know, if they came to the shop, they at one point they couldn't even come in. Um, and they were quite happy to wait. They understood what was going on. Uh, and then obviously since then, you know, things have changed. Um, you know, customers have become uh, a little bit more demanding of products and services. Um, they're sort of like led and guided and educated by, uh, you know, Google and online. Um, so it, it's very, very hard to navigate customer landscape it's very much about um, managing customer expectations in order to actually give them the service that they want. It's really, I mean, well, I'm a member of the general public myself, so, and I feel as though that the public at the moment certainly have been uh, programmed and driven to expect a really poor level of service. Um, when you try and make an appointment with doctors, when you ring the uh, British gas to complain about your gas bill. You know, you're on the phone for half an hour, you get through to some call centre in a different country. You know, you're not getting the service or the answers that you want. So when you come off the phone, then ring your local carpet shop because the fittest 10 minutes late, you get both barrels and then some. And, you know, that's not the customer's fault. It's just the way that we are being driven by the whole um, whole customer service industry. It just makes our job harder, really, in store to manage that customer and their expectations uh, and to make sure that they have a good experience in store. Hard work at the moment. And what have you done to, to implement that in your business compared to what you used to do or what, what well, tactics I mean, and tips yeah. have you done? Yeah, so we, you know, we, we, you know, we're quite good in talking to our customers about the process and about what happens. So, you know, whilst Lisa's installed, they're having a conversation. Yes, we're decorating. You know, well, just make sure if you're decorating that you give a bit of paint back because obviously it's a really aggressive process picking your carpet that you might have to touch in. It's also with our T's and C's. We'll we'll talk to them about you know uh, everything that we can think of to cover all their bases so that there's nothing unexpected. You know, in an ideal world, we'd never have any complaints. I think a couple of your other, I've been binging the podcasts actually on the on the on the run ups this weekend, and a couple of your um, your guests have touched upon um, uh, customers and their expectations. You know, when they've had the conversations with you. Um, but yeah, we we do we do what we can, and our 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 to be fair, our reputation and you know, how we treat our customers is actually really, really good. But we still find it very difficult to, say, navigate that 
that customer. I'd still say entitlement landscape it is really quite hard work. Um, and obviously before the podcast, we we never met. Obviously, we had a couple of minute conversation before we came on here, but a bit of a selfish question for me. You're coming to see us here at Cochrane Co. Um, in a couple of days' time. Um, so I'm sure we'll get to know each other a lot better then. But what attracted you um, to us um, and how do you think we're going to be at help? Right, yeah, good one. So obviously because I've, I've always been sort of, I had a very corporate flooring bring as it, as it were, with, uh, with the co-op, uh, with, with allies, uh, you know, with United to a, to a degree. And training has always been an integral part of what, what they do. So being on, you know, we're a little independent carpet shop, you know, there's only two, three, two, three of us in the shop, you know, with a few fitters out there. Um, so, you know, training for us was never really sort of white high on the agenda because you just tend to stuck in the day to day. We're now fortunate enough whereby we can um, look at the business a little bit more, what the business needs. And, you know, even at my age, I'm 53 years old now, and it's, you're never too old to pick up something new. So, you know, I saw your, uh, I saw your course advertised, um, had a look at sort of like some of the things that you covered. Uh, and I thought, oh, that'd be really interesting to go along and see what it's all about. If I pick up one or two points in that weekend, then that's sort of like money well spent, I think. Yeah, that's, that's all we hope for. It's probably more than one or two, but one or two is always enough for any training course. Um, but if that's implemented and that, you know, is forever, you know, that's, that's a bonus, but then anything addition into that, I think it's, yeah, it's exactly the same as when we do training. So no, that, thank you for that. I just thought I'd ask that as we never, you know, as it, uh, it's quite relevant to this week. Um, so at the moment, how are you finding your customers or how are you attracting new quality customers as well? Have you had to adapt any of that? Yeah, massively. So when we started, we put adverts in the local paper um, and, and that was it. That's all. Yellow pages. Uh, well, no, we, we we went on to uh, didn't really get on the yell, um, but no, we put you know the local the local rag. We put a sort of like an half half page uh, advert in sort of like every other week, uh, and, uh, and a couple of sort of like the trade mags that come uh, get posted through your door. Um, uh, but yeah, obviously that 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 really sort of like wasn't wasn't massive. So we switched. We we found that we um, so a little bit of background in Barefoot is that we started it up in Oakham, which is Rutland, quite an affluent uh, little county. Um, and I was going after the bottom end of the market. You know, Previously in my uh, United um, life, you know, we were doing a bit of work in Oakham, all at the bottom end of the market. And I thought, well, you know, when we started barefoot, that's what we'll go for. Um, but our customers kept turning up in really nice cars. And we had uh, we had the, 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 the range at the front of the shop was six quid a metre when you walked through the door. And people used to walk straight past that. And they were buying sort of like the 12, 15, 20 quid a square meter carpet. So we sort of like changed our tack a little bit after the first sort of like six months. And we started advertising in the glosses and then started a little bit of networking. Um, and then obviously you then look at places like Facebook and, uh, and socials, which to be fair, have never really worked that well for us. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we advertise mainly in the glosses Um we do a bit of networking, uh, and then obviously it's just brand strengthening. I think on the on the socials for us, and that attracts a certain type of customer for us. You know, lady, what lunches? Um, 
comes in, she does all the buying, uh, as it were, um, and, and gets for me to agree. And then those are those are generally our, our customer time. And the advertising that we do for that seems to work okay. And what networking do you do? Because it's quite uh, not a lot of flying contractors or shop owners do do that. They kind of sit in this little bubble with their own fitters and not get out there. So what's what's worked for you on that? Yeah, so I mean, I I've started networking um, back when I was uh, at the United shop. Um, I did B and I. B and I was uh, was two things. One, it was expensive, and and secondly, it was it was actually hard to be a good quality member. But it actually worked really, really well. Um, it takes you a long time to get um, uh, you know recognised and trusted within a group. Uh, but once you are, then you know the work will start coming. I think we did thirty to forty thousand pounds for the business in uh, my first year of networking with BNR. Yeah. Um, but when I then left United and started with Barefoot, um, it took a little while to get things going. But yeah, join the networking group as soon as I could, um, and that then creates obviously relationships with you know other local business owners, uh, which is always really really good. Got in with quite a few builders. And uh, and various other people as well. So yeah, networking is always, I think, is quite quite important. Are you still a member now, BNA? So uh, no, I mean, I, I'm. We've this year has been a little bit weird for us in that we've had a full time member of staff who was off sick from February uh, and permanently until October, and then she's then she's quit. So we're down back to two people in the shop. Uh, which means that getting out and networking is really, really hard. All the decent networking groups tend to be on days when I can't get out shop. So we'll find something. Though. Yeah, oh, no problem. And um, if you had a magic uh, Mystic Meg ball, where where do you think Barefoot will be in five years' time? Yeah, good one. So um, a few years ago, we, we've actually got a franchise branch in Peterborough. So we, uh, it was a, an old colleague of mine who bumped into him on Facebook, actually, uh, and saw that he'd got a uh, carpet shop in Peterborough. Uh, I just seeing, and he was, he was really struggling, really, really struggling. So, and because obviously I've got a franchise background through, uh, through United, I uh, okay, I think we can probably help him out. You know? um, so we franchised it. We, we, you know, we've, he's now traders barefoot floor in Peterborough. You know, he's on our website, um, but he is his own standalone business. We got him accounts. We've helped him with his advertising. And he's still here. He's still, you know, doing a bit. He's not pulling up any trees, but he's doing enough for, for him. We then, um, uh, in 2021, we got franchise company in um, to go through our business model. Um, and so now we are all fully set to franchise barefoot. All we need to do is get some investment across the road. And so that's hopefully where I see Barefoot going. And how many franchises will you have in five years' time? It depends on how much investment I can get. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, you need deep pockets and you need people willing to sell why spend some money. Um, it is an entire, entirely separate aspect of the business. If we're going to go franchising, chances are we're going to have to change what we do in Oakham. Um, I'm going to have to sort of like put my uh, franchising hat on and spend all my time doing that, um, going and finding franchises, franchisees, locations, getting them set up. 
is a, a, an entirely different different kettle of fish altogether. Um, but that that is the plan. So, but yeah, actually, the draft. So, so, from your opinion, let's say if a, a flooring shop's been going three to five years, and again, it's not a pitch whatsoever for barefoot. I'm just, I'm, um, what's the word? Formalizing just a, a question of what would be the advantage of someone that's been in business maybe three to five years investing in a franchise rather than just slogging through and just, uh, or, or you know, or just trying to. You're do, are doing it themselves. What would you see the benefits? I've never had a franchise, so I just thought I'd throw that one at you. So um, with, with with the franchise, um, it generally comes from tried and tested uh, methods of doing business. So what we have done, we've we've built up a good uh, a good and strong brand over the last ten years. Now our brand has changed, our branding has changed, and our ethos has changed. Um, and what we do now, we feel, is relatively successful. Um, certainly with Peterborough, he struggled to get accounts, so we got him all the accounts. Uh, we got him his branding. We knew where he needed to be advertising. Um, and we've kind of like, you know, we've ushered him in that particular direction. So what we've done is we've basically um, just given him a little bit of a springboard to, to get things moving, find a slightly different customer type, uh, which has benefited as well. Um, so that that's where you think certainly, you know, if we are a, a, a company that was been a go for a couple of years, maybe struggling, not finding their way, um, we know exactly what we need to do to set them on the right path. It wouldn't be it's not it's not a fix for everyone, definitely not. No. But we know that we know how we did it. We went through all that pain of getting from we we got um, where we are, we we started off with one tiny little unit. 17 foot by 25 foot uh, and now we've got half of the block yeah and it's been painful to get it's been good fun but it's been you know it's been a, a massive learning experience and what what we could do really really quickly which is what we did with peterborough is that we we basically put five years experience into that shop in a couple of months uh, and elevated him from doing uh, you know next to bugger all to actually doing some fair business um, so that that's where I think that we could benefit somebody who would be where you're saying out three to five years. And if there was one thing that you wouldn't do again, what what would it be? If you had to advise that person, if you had to set up a flooring shop or flooring business, is the one thing that stands out that you you definitely would never do? Well, well one thing that I wouldn't do again. Yeah. Oh God, there's lots of things I think, but. Um, one thing I wouldn't do again, you know, you know, to actually grow and move forward. I think you've got to go through a certain amount of pain. I think you've got to make mistakes and, uh, and learn from them and move, move forward. You know, there's certain stuff that you would, uh, you, you'd like to avoid, um, you know, costly contracts and things like that. But actually, do you know what? No, I think, I, I think you, you've got to do it. You've got to go through that pain barrier it's a, to know what works and doesn't work. Absolutely. And then, and then that sort of, Gives you leverage to move forward. I love that. It does. So, so we're going to move into some um, bit more fun questions about you. Not so much about the flooring industry, but uh, we always ask them. Um, if I gave you a thousand pound now, uh, we're at uh, ten o'clock in the morning. You've got to spend it by five. What would you spend it on? Thousand quid. Yeah, it's all going to be gone. Is it uh, right, personally or for business? Whatever you want. <laughs> whatever, whatever's the biggest priority today. 
Um, I think um, I, I think business. I'll probably go out. I, I think I'll probably spend it on our on our computer system. Uh, business wise, I think I'd invest a little bit more there. There's a lot more that we can do with our CRM. So um, yeah, we, we'd do something there. Um, personally, I'd probably book a skiing holiday for next March. Love it. Uh, what um, what CRM system do you use? If you don't mind me asking. So yeah, so we use we use Masterpiece for uh, for measuring, um, yeah. and we use um, Carbon by Computers for Flooring uh, for our main invoicing, quoting, um, and uh, yeah, management, as it were. Yeah. I, I love that you've got. A, that's why I asked. I love I love that you've got a CRM system because so many people don't and then don't use it. Um, so it's uh, it's the 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 heartbeat of many businesses that people don't use. So. It's, yeah, well, I mean, we, you know, obviously coming from Allied, Allied had a really good, uh, really good system. Obviously it had to because it was a company that turned over millions and millions of pounds. Now, when we first started at Barefoot, yeah, we were, you know, uh, handwriting invoices. But once you get busier and busier, you can't do that. You, you've got to you've got to scale, haven't you, in, in terms of processes as, as the business grows. So, so yeah, so we had to uh, buy the bullet. Brilliant. And if there was one person that you could have work for the business, dead or alive, who would it be? Um, do you know what? It, it's um, I, I think I'd, I'd like my dad to uh, yeah, come back and make a bit of a reappearance. He, um, he, he used to sort of like do a bit of guerrilla marketing for me. Right. You know, he... he, 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 he he moved out after his wife died. He moved down to uh, to be near to, to me, and then I used to keep him occupied. Come on, Dad, come to work. You can go drive the truck round. And obviously, I had a big sign written truck, and he'd go and park in uh, Tesco's car park by the main entrance, read his book for a couple of hours, and he do that. Just go drive around two or three days a week, um, and, and then because he was a car salesman back in his day, and so he owned all the patches. So and, and, you know, our customers I used to love it. Um, I mean, he absolutely knew nothing about carpets or flooring, but it absolutely didn't matter. Um, so yeah, I think you know, my dad would be um, yeah, quite quite good to see back in the shop. Fantastic. And what is your currently least favourite part of your job within the business? Um, the least, the right. So there is one thing that hasn't happened for quite some time because we've we've got quite a good crew around us now, but it's all. Sunday, seven o'clock, you're sitting there thinking about going to work the following day and get the text off the fitter. Uh, I've had a dodgy Chinese, I'm not coming in tomorrow. And you know that the day is absolutely rammed and there's, you know you've got two or three people to sort of like ring up and put off and potentially have an argument with. Um, uh, and that is, that's the, that's the worst thing, uh, I think, um, uh, about about the job is he's getting that text or phone call saying, you know, like being let down and knowing that we're going to have to rearrange you now people's uh, people's fits. It's, it's a horrible feeling. Especially with the dodgy Chinese. It's not the greatest excuse. Obviously, if, if someone goes into labour or, you know, they've chopped their arm off, that's understandable. Can, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you you, 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 feel, a, you feel a bit of a twice if you ring it up saying, oh, yeah, if it's not a bit of a dodgy Chinese. Because just, they know, they know it's just full as well, so. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And if you could change your profession today, what do you think you would be if you had to come out of the flooring industry? So, you know, I'm, 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 I'm still, I still consider this to be a part-time sort of like, you know, gap job. 
always wanted to work in a motorbike shop, just never got around to it. So, yeah, I'm literally still sort of like doing flooring, waiting for that motorbike job sort of like to come up and, and come and grab me. Uh, so, I could, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd, I'd love to go work in a bike shop somewhere. Brilliant. And, and what, what motorbike have you got? What what's, uh, I don't know much about them, but for anyone that does, maybe, uh, what would you go to motorbike? So, uh, obviously, because I'm a little bit older now, I've, I've kind of like steadied up a bit. So, I've just been and bought a uh, BMW 1250GS, which is a bit of an all-rounder adventure-type bike. Uh, slowed down a little bit, but you know, prior to that, and yeah, um, uh, yeah, some some quick, uh, some quick nice bikes. Um, but it's uh, more of a, a faster one you've had in the past. It. Yeah, I used to I used to do used to do a lot of track days. Uh, in fact, up until recently, uh, COVID, I had, a, I had a pit bike and used to go racing pit bikes. Right. But falling off them at fifty, well, at fifty years old, falling off a pit bike at 40, 50 miles an hour, you don't bounce like you used to. No. So that's slowed down a little bit. And have you had any crashes or you been touch wood? Have you had any uh, everything uh... Um yeah, no, I've been I've been quite I've been quite lucky, you say, but on the pit bike, so so it's a little little one two five. Um but yeah, that that was my biggest crash where I broke my collarbone uh, and then I had to drive myself to the hospital. Um uh, but it wasn't my bike I crashed fortunately, so it was my mate. So um, money, no object. What for bike would you have? Have you got your eyes on something? Well, to be fair, I, I think it's. I think any bike would say they would need two or three bikes for different things. So I, I've already got you know my uh, my sensible all round bike in, in, in the garage. Yeah. Uh, there is a space in the garage, I think, for another bike. Uh, I just obviously the, that past the boss. There's but always I think, a space. Yeah, I'd go for a, a KTM twelve ninety Super Duke. Uh, seeing as I actually had, uh, I did have a Super Duke GT prior to getting the BMW. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably go and get another one of those. I have a little bit of a KTM fanboy. Lovely, lovely. Um, and how do you start your day to get the best out of you and your team? So we we generally tend to manage the. Uh, we used to back in the day. We used to be in at eight o'clock. You know, for the fitters, they you know get there for them, get them loaded up, and get off. Um, but now we, uh, they've got fobs, they've got the paperwork, they can load up the night before. Um, so both myself and Lisa, there's no pressure. So we get there for half eight, quarter to nine. We know that the fitters are already organized. Um, the, the, the diary system and the CRM really, really does help you in sort of like knowing what you're doing that day. So you already go to work knowing what you've got to do, phone calls you've got to make. Uh, and actually, they take the pressure off. You, you're not sort of like making mental lists uh, and thinking about your day. It's pretty much already, um, it's pretty much already organised for you. Uh, and that's yeah, big big help from a CRM system, really. And lo- and loading up the night before. That's, uh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 load, and then obviously a bit of coffee in the morning. That always helps. Oh, fantastic! Um, what are the three people? Um, Let's say excluding your dad, um, just just to keep him out of this question. Three people you'd love to have a pint with. Uh, I mean, they can be still dead or alive, um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but uh... Uh, I think I think at the mo- I think at the moment definitely um, Paul Smith, the comedian. Oh, he's brilliant. I I think the guy's hilarious. Um, have you been to see him? I haven't. No, I trouble is my my other half is. Um, she is, she's very straight. She's lovely, very sort of like, you know, that's not her humour. 
Um, You're not going to get her on the front row. No. <laughs> no, she no, she wouldn't. No, um, but no, I think I think the guy's hilarious. Uh, but yeah, so he definitely be one guy I'd like to go for a beer with. Um, uh, I'd like to go for you know have a pint with um, a politician, somebody you know, somebody like. Um, Boris Johnson. I just want to find out what the fuck he's been doing. What? Where is his head? What's he doing? Oh, where's he got now? Drill down into the man, you know, uh, and 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 just see somebody, somebody of that ilk, um, and just find out, you know, what what they were thinking and, and over the past few years. Um, yeah. I think it'd be a, an interesting conversation. Absolutely. I found it interesting over COVID, irrelevant to his political views. My, I haven't got any political views. Um, um, but what I did find interesting was how he was, let's say, performing at a level over COVID and delivering whatever he was delivering, irrelevant to what it was and whatever you know he was talking. But to be able to op- operate at that level all the time, I'm thinking, what else is he doing to sort of you know not think, oh, I'm having a bit of a shit day. I'm just not going to do it today. Um, so that's, yeah, does that make sense? You know, it's where... Yeah, the thing with things like with Boris, I think he, you know, he came across his persona was one thing. as a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bumbling buffoon with a bit of intelligence and what have you. Did a good job of, you know, reasonable job as mayor of London. And, he, you know, he had a, the potential to be really popular uh, and do a really good job. But I don't know. It just all went Pete Tong, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's... I think it was more when it was more the repetitiveness of when he had to speak whatever he had to speak. And I was just interested of like, I don't know, we all have good days and bad days, but there's got to be days when he just didn't want to be with that camera live. So yeah. that, I think that's what I'd like to probe of how you prime yourself ready to operate at that level. Irrelevant if it's not good or bad, if that makes it, he's still got to deliver. Uh, yeah. So, so that that's the kind of bit out, you know, as I wasn't the, the political bit of it, I don't get in. I'm not into. Um, have we got have we got two? So one more. Two. Oh, one more. Right. Okay. Um, you know, somebody. I said, well, look, who else would I would I want to go for? Somebody like Freddie Mercury. I think it'd be a really interesting chat to talk to. Great table, this. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you, you know. I, you know, I grew up in in in, in the eighties, sort of like you know, coming to listening to his music and thinking that found something, you know, fantastic and wonderful, uh, and, and transpired being out for, for for years and years. Um, uh, and the, the the guy I think was um, yeah, I think he's just a fantastic musician. So yeah, um, and I think you know, I'd love to sit there and listen to his his tale, as it were, uh, over a beer or two. Love it, um, and. The last question, which I always um, leave, leave to last, excluding clients um, and what we spoke about earlier, what is currently holding you back, Matt? Well, this is a question I need to think about for the weekend, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask it, but uh, I'll, uh, um, over the weekend, but the end. I think, right, so what what's holding us back in, in Oakham is, is our chili pot cow. Um, Oakham was a really well. It's tiny. It's the smallest, smallest county in, in the country. Um, and Oakham uh, and the surrounding villages is 
it's, it's not a densely populated area. Um, we we were one of four, um, you know, flooring retailers in the town. Um, three of us do uh, the same product, so we'd all do, you know, carpet, LBT, and wood, and what have you. Uh, and uh, another bunch of guys, they just do carpet and vinyl uh, there into the market. Um, we've made quite an impact in the ten years that we've been. We're the new boys as well, but you know, we've made a, a massive impact, you know, on 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 the town and what we do. But that's what, well, that's what restricts us. We're just restricted now by chimney pots. Um, hence, we know that, you know, we've got really, we are at the top of where we can be in the town that we're in. So, hence why, you know, the, the franchising idea, uh, you know, it, it is very much on the cards and that is the way forward, you know, for us. We, we thought about opening another branch, but you can't put Mark and Lisa in two branches. Uh, you, you know, you'd have to put a manager in somewhere, and you're not going to get the same results. I know that from experience from being at United and and, and uh, what have you. So, hence why they got a good franchise model. Um, so, so yeah, that's why that's what's holding us back, Jimmy Boss. Brilliant. I, I'm, I'm with you there. What a uh, manufacturer I used to deal with quite a lot. Um, at one point, offered us to open another shop, but they said the caveat of that is you go to one shop and my wife goes to the other shop. I was like, no, it's not going to, no, we're not doing that. Um, so that was, you know, they were going to do the shop refit, do everything, but the caveat yeah. as we, not as a not as a, a married couple, but, you know, one one person ran one, one ran the other. I was yeah. like, no, that's that's definitely not for us. Brilliant. Um, so if people want to find you, Matt, where, where you're lurking, what social media platforms do people find Barefoot Flooring? So, yeah, Barefoot, we've Googled Barefoot Flooring Oakham uh, and the ideal finders. We're on, uh, on Facebook. Instagram presence. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really a big uh, social media person. To be fair, we tend to farm it out. Um, you know, I am personally. I like to be on the groups, but uh, but no, anybody can find us. Just yeah, Google there for flooring. Definitely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Great podcast, this Mark. Thank you. You're welcome. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do you can visit our website at cockerelandco.co.uk that's cockerelandco.co.uk we also have an instagram account which is cockerelandco and also we are on facebook once again don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you here again soon